0: We are on our trek through the Bible one verse at a time, one passage sometimes. Sometimes one verse won't do it. You know, we'd use two or three sometimes. But I'll try to boil it down to one verse if I can. We are finished with the Old Testament. We went all 39 mile posts, 39 books of the Bible. We have broken into a new day here. The New Testament. The New Testament is where the lights come on. Amen. Yeah. Remember what we talked about last time? bad way of introduction, I just want to remind you of what we did last week. We said Malachi 4.2 was the most important verse in Malachi. Not Malachi 3.10. Right. You robbed me by not paying tithes. That's not the most important verse in Malachi. at <laughs> some preachers that, that they're going to tell you that's the most important verse. It's not. This one is. But unto you that hear my, that fear my name shall the Son S-U-N, of righteousness arise with healing in his way. So this Son is a he. Who's this talking about? Jesus as the sun coming up. Now, the, how many of you were up after dark last night? Did the, sun look, did the world look different after the sun came up this morning? Did the world look different? Yeah, you could see things then, couldn't you? He's, what he's trying to say is the Old Testament was in the dark concerning righteousness. But when the Son of righteousness arose, the lights came on for mankind. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is good news to you. You live in the light today. You have the light of the gospel of Christ all in you and all around you. And when you read the book, it means more to you than just killing animals. It means something powerful to you means a way to live your life. And there, in that we found out that, that uh, there were three special things. The world looked different because the sun came up. The sun of righteousness arose with healing in his wings. And he said, you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. That's talking about nothing but prosperity. Yeah. We're all going to be big fat calves. <laughs> calves, not calves of the pasture, calves of the stall. Greg, when you get ready to kill a calf, do you fatten it up first? You kind of have to get him off the pasture, don't you? Get him up in the stall. Get him good and fat for the kill. Because you want him prosperous before you kill him. And this isn't talking about him killing you. He's talking about him fattening you. That the promise is that he's going to prosper you. And this, this, this really deals with all of our ills. Remember the first, the only curse really that God spoke, besides the blessing that he spoke to Adam, the blessing became a curse, remember. God said, in the day you eat that tree, you will die. It was a blessing to hear that because now I know how to live. Don't eat the tree. But they ate the tree, so the blessing became a curse. curse, Okay. But then God turned around and did say one curse. He, He said, I curse the ground for your sake. The ground is cursed for your sake. And for that reason, because out of it is going to come... Thorns and thistles, you're gonna plant the, 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 the stuff you want and along with it's gonna come up thorns and thistles and briars and everything else. You don't want weeds. I was raised on a farm over here in Love County and sometimes I'm telling you, more Johnson grass would grow our peanuts than anything else. You know what peanuts are like, you know? We'd have to hoe and hoe, I hated hoeing. That's why I went to college, hoeing. Hoeing sent me to college. I hated hoeing. Anybody else with me? You with me? If you hate hoeing, you'll go to college, glory to God. I hated it. But because of the weeds that came up, that was because the ground was cursed. And he said here, when Jesus died, he bled from his brow. The curse said you're gonna earn your living from the sweat of your brow. Here we find Jesus. Sweating blood from his brow to pay for that curse. And wearing a a crown of thorns on his head to pay for that curse. So our prosperity, our healing, our (coughs) righteousness all come out of our righteousness because the son of righteousness has arisen. Alright, now let's get to to this new new covenant. Milepost number 40. The 40th book of the Bible is Matthew. And I struggled with Matthew because there's so much good in Matthew, but I come to, come to believe that the most important verse in the book of Matthew is verse 1 of chapter 1. Matthew 1, 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You see it? Is it on the board up here? The son of David, the son of Abraham. There are three names in there. And this tells you what the New Testament is all about. It's a preamble to his gene- genealogy. There are no preambles like this in the entire book, in the, in the, in the, in the entire Bible concerning the genealogies. Just this one, where they go into the genealogy and pull out two names and put them in a preamble so, of sorts. You know what a preamble is? A little paragraph, an introductory paragraph. It says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. So, so this is about the book of Jesus Who is prominent in the book of Jesus? David and Abraham. Not Moses, not Solomon, not even Adam. David and Abraham. What's that telling us? That tells us something significant about what the book of Jesus is about. The New Testament is about these two things, these two guys right here. David and Abraham and what they mean to Jesus. Therefore, what they mean to you. David's name means beloved. His name means loved one. It also can be translated lover. So one who is loved and one who loves. A man after God's own heart. He's already been talked about. But he means something else to the, to the believer. What else does David represent? Do they wear the star of Solomon or the star of David? David. David symbolizing that he is the great king. Of Israel, They still consider David the greatest king of Israel. Even though Solomon had much more power, much more money, they don't give Solomon that kind of cred, street cred in Israel. They give David the credi- credibility. Why? Because he brought the kingdom together. He created the kingdom under God. Hear me. Hear me out. David's name in gene- Jesus' genealogy means what the new covenant is about. Not a kingdom of military might. Not by my, not my power, not by, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Our kingdom is a kingdom of love. It's fueled by love. It's powered by love. It's sustained by love. Love conquers every enemy you have. That's why he says that you love your enemy. Don't hate your enemy. Don't curse your enemy. Bless him and love him. And I will pour coals of fire on his head. Amen. I've talked to you about how I blessed people to death. <laughs> A couple of people have died because I blessed them. I didn't, I didn't want them to die. I didn't want them to die. I wanted—I wanted them to live. I was trying to bless them. You—you you got, got trouble with people in your life? Stop fighting them, and bless them, love them, be good to them, and watch what will happen. They'll either get right or they'll get left. Something's gonna happen, something will change. If you'll turn it over to God by just loving those who hate you. You can't think of anybody who hates you right now. You think somebody who you know hates you right now? Yeah, you're thinking about it. yeah, this guy's pointing at his wife over here. <laughs> love, love her, love her, brother. <laughs> The next guy is Abraham. This kingdom doesn't just run on a king all by himself. Our king made a covenant with us. He wrote a constitution. That's why he was here 33 years. That's why he didn't die in the manger to to take away our sins as his blood would have there. He's he's the son of God there. His blood would have taken away sins just like it did on the cross. But he didn't die under King Herod's rule, rule, did he? No, he didn't die when Herod went after him. Herod died instead. Jesus had some work to do. He had a constitution to to (laughs) compile and to present. So, his teachings, the body of his teachings, becomes our constitution, our covenant, if you will. That's what Abraham represents the covenant. God said, you're going to keep this covenant. What, what was the covenant about with Abraham? Anybody know? Circumcision. Ew. Circumcision. God said, you're going to keep this covenant with, between you and me, and every man in your house, including you, is going to be circumcised. Now, I've told this story before, but it'll be a bit repeating. One day, this is in Genesis 17, we found this story. Abraham decides he's going to... Uh, go off in a distance and be with God and God appeared to him it says and said behold Abraham I am your God walk before me and be ye perfect and I'm going to multiply you greatly and all that it goes on and on Genesis 17 you agree for yourself and he says this and this that it about all how he's going to bless him all that God is committing himself to do then he says and Abraham you're going to keep your I want you to do something here I want you to change your name. Your name shall no more be called Abram, which means father. It's not enough. Your name from now is going to be called Abraham. Abraham means father of nations, father of multitudes of nations, really. that's what God's, Because that's what God had been calling him all along. God had been calling him that for 24 years and nothing happened. So he said, I need your, your help here, I guess. I'm going to have to have you saying it. So he, so he changed his name so he would be calling himself Father of Multitudes of Nations by calling himself Abraham. Now, I think about poor Eliezer, his, 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 lead, his, his ranch foreman, following him around that mobile ranch all over the, the Holy Land, you know. One day he's sitting there and here comes Abraham from this meeting with God. Now after that, after God told him he had to change his name, he told him what? Now you're going to have to circumcise yourself and every man that's with you. That's how you keep your covenant, a circle cut. Yikes. So he gets back to the camp. Guy said, Mr. Bossman, where you been? Abraham says, I've been with God. You've been with God. Did he speak to you? Yes, he spoke to me. What did he say, sir? Well, God said that he's going to change my name. My name is no longer Abram. And I know what Eliezer was thinking. He's thinking, man, that's the sorriest name I ever heard from a man, that, for a man that didn't have any kids. Thank God he changed your name. What did he call you? Something common, something good, something decent like, you know, Ringo, Paul, John, <laughs> George, something like that. Did he name me something like that? No, 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 no. Didn't name me something like that. From now on, you don't call me Abram. All right, no, no, I'm going to have to call you Father. I've always been embarrassed about that name, sir. I've always been embarrassed. I hate to tell you, but I've been so embarrassed about that name because, you know, every time we meet somebody, you you tell them your name is Father, and they always say, well, okay, your name is Father. Where's all your kids? And you say, well, me and the little missus here, this 80-year-old woman. We haven't started our family yet. Yet. Haven't started our family yet. Well, you better get to it, buddy. You ever heard of that biological clock, you know? Women talk about the biological clock. Hers wasn't ticking. Hers was something like Big Ben. Boom! Bong! <laughs> that clock wasn't ticking. It was an alarm. And he said, what, What's the new name, sir? Well, don't call me Father anymore. From now on you call me Father of Multitudes of Nations. I can just see, you know, remember Red Fox? Oh, this is a big one, Elizabeth. I, 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 think, I, think, I think that Eliezer f- fainted face down in the dirt. I'm just making this part up, but I can just see the picture, him falling over in his face in the sand. And when he comes to, Abram sits him on a rock, brushes the dirt out of his eyes. You got one with you? I don't have my pocket knife with me. <laughs> he tells him he's going to have to do to keep his job. <laughs> yeah. Can you? Yeah. And I can see LA's are, like, okay, let me get this straight. <laughs> get this straight. We no longer call you Father, now we call you Father of Nations. And we're going to take our knives and we're going to do exactly what with them? Say say that one more time. Because I'm not averse to cutting my ear and my finger, but don't take a knife to me there. all, All the men said, amen. Yeah. I'm not averse to losing something, just don't cut me there. That's why we do it when they're babies, so they can't fight back. That's why Abraham's up there in that verse. Because Abraham made a covenant with God. But his covenant was not just a covenant about circumcision. His covenant was really based in faith. Because he had already been made righteous by faith. He had already been made righteous by faith two chapters before that, about 10 or 12 years before that. Did you know that? Quite some time before he was circumcised, he walked this earth... As a man in right relationship with God, because he was right by faith. Genesis fifteen six is the pinnacle verse of Genesis. It says, "And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it for him to, to him for righteousness. His faith was made righteousness, and that is the centerpiece of all the Pauline doctrine. Right there, Genesis fifteen six. So the covenant of faith came from Abraham. So what we are, what the New Testament is about. What the New Testament is about is about a, a kingdom of love and a covenant of faith. We have a kingdom here called the United States. Not a kingdom, really. The people are in charge, but it's a government. And we have a contract. Our government has a contract with us called our Constitution. And they seem to be wiping their feet on it right now, but it's still in force. It's still in force. We need to get it back in force. The contract back in force. Amen. The reason it's, it's, it's no longer in force like it used to be is because the Bible lost its force in the church. That's good. It's, good. it's better preaching than you're shouting. <laughs> if they don't believe the Bible, they're sure not going to believe a, a man-made document. Are you hearing me? not going to have a reference for a man-made document if they don't reference the Bible. The book God wrote. You have a new testament. Now, it's easy to get stuck in the old testament, it's real easy to do. But let me tell you something Miss Ann, her daddy died a few years ago, and she was named the executor of the will. But she wasn't named the executor of the first will he made out, somebody else was. He went in and redid re- did the will and took somebody out of the will. One of the, one of the kids got taken out of the will, and she got removed from being the executor. So he wrote a second will. Later on, made miss Ann the executor and uh, put, the, put the girl back in, the will. Changed his mind. But one of them had a copy of the old will and showed up at the, up at the gathering with her copy of the will. It's the wrong one. Had an old date on it. Are you hearing me? The lawyer says, there may be two wills here, an old and new covenant. Old and New Testament. But the latest one is the one we go by. The one with the most recent date is the one we go by. That's what Old Covenant and New Covenant means. There's a big difference. Amen. Amen. You should be happy about that. I heard about a guy who said, called up a company and said, I'd like to buy a new boomerang, please. Also, can you tell me how to throw the old one away? The Old Covenant's kind of like a boomerang. It won't go, won't go away. <laughs> but you can, you can do it. You just got to get focused on the one, the, re- the new one. The New Covenant. What it means to you. That doesn't, that doesn't mean we throw the Old Testament away. There's lots of good in it. But it points us to the New. You've got to read the Old Testament with New Testament glasses on. Amen. Amen. Am I helping anybody today? Milepost 41, Mark. Everyone in the building ought to be able to know where I'm going here. Mark 11, 22 and 23. If you didn't know I was going to pick that one, you don't know me at all. Mark 11, 22 and 23. I believe this to be the most significant verse in Mark. A pair of verses in Mark. Jesus said unto them, Have Faith in God. Why did he say that? What, what event sparked him saying, Have faith in God? Anybody remember? They had gone into town, on uh, going into Jer- Jerusalem from Bethany, and on the side of a mountain they went by a fig tree. Now, a fig tree is something like a peach tree. It looks something like a peach tree. It's about the same size and all that as a peach tree. That, but they live a lot, lot more years than our peach trees do. They live a really, really, really long time. And uh, the, these, these fig trees are amazing. The native fig trees that they had back then were called sycamore trees. What Zacchaeus was up in was a fig tree. He climbed up in a fig tree to look at Jesus. To try to see him from that point of view. Instead of the point of view down low, he wanted to see him from up on higher than everybody else because he was a little man. Jesus answered them, said to them, have faith in God. What what did this? They were walking into into Jerusalem one day and Jesus saw a fig tree over there and he thought, I'm going to go pick something to eat. He went over there and thought there would be some figs on that tree, and there were no figs. He looked all through it. There was nothing but leaves. The Bible says that Jesus backed up and cursed that tree. The only thing Jesus ever cursed was that tree. He never cursed you. never cursed anybody. never cursed the ground. He came to reverse the curse. But he did curse that fig tree. Why would he curse that fig tree? Well, because that fig tree saw him as Adam. He saw the first Adam, that fig tree did, and saw the last Adam, Jesus. And the first Adam fell to the fig tree by using his leaves to try to reach God. Covered himself with his clothes he made from fig leaves. Jesus walked over there to that tree and all it had to offer was figs. Uh, no, no figs, no fruit at all. All I had to offer was leaves. I think Jesus stood there and thought, oh, I'm back in that garden. I'm going to show you how to deal with false religion right here. Curse it. He cursed it right there on the spot. Curse the fig tree. You don't deal with false religion, you curse it. You get rid of it, get it out of your life. Amen. Amen. Anything that's not a faith is sin. It may look like religion, but it's sin. It's it's a wonderful, deceptive thing the devil uses all the time. He cursed a fig tree. And they come back out the next day out of Jerusalem. And what does the Bible say? That the tree was dried up from the roots, dead. And Peter said, and the others said, Look, the tree you cursed is already dead. How this happen? Jesus, on the comment he makes, is this right here. This is his answer. Have faith in God. What's he saying? There is no way to get to God through false religion, through sewing, sewing on your own fig leaves. Just one way, one way to God. Have faith in God. Amen. That's what being in the covenant means. Have faith in God. Your total trust, your total dependence, all of your good comes from your faith in God. In verse 20, 23, I've got to give this to you too. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall send to this mountain, be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I want you to notice something. The, the thing that's most often mentioned here is not, not believing, but, but, but speaking. Yeah. That whosoever shall say, Under this mountain be thou removed, and be thou cast into sin. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Believing is mentioned twice, saying is mentioned three times. Jesus cursed that fig tree because it was representative of a way to God that did not offer faith. Did not act in faith. That's why he calls Zacchaeus down out of the... If you read that that, that story in Luke 19, Daddy, be careful. (laughs) Pray for her, Daddy. I think that's what she was asking for prayer. (laughs) Luke 19 has the story of Zacchaeus up in that fig tree. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, but I'm not coming up into your tree. Come down out of the tree. Come down out of that fig tree. I'll have nothing to do with you in the fig tree. I'm coming to your house. Amen. Amen. Don't think you can build some kind of law that you're going to approach God with or get to see God act in. He wants to come into your house. You don't need to come into Him. He's coming into you. Amen. 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 You remove the curse by faith in God. I... uh, I was on a platform one time years ago at CFNI, Christ for the Nations Bible School, where I teach, where I met Kirk and Cheyenne. Uh, I do a little more than teach there now, I kind of run the place now, but kind of. <laughs> but I was sitting on the platform when the, the, I worked for two or three directors. One of them was named Larry Hill, and Larry Hill had a, a penchant for the word of knowledge working in his life. He called out sicknesses and diseases. You remember those chapel sessions? They're amazing. He called out something one day, and the young man came up. He said, that, that cancer you talked about is me, Dr. Hill. I've been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. The doctor said I have n- no time to live, just months. He was shriveled up, weak, wobbly. Looked like he was dying, walking death. Name is Michael. Larry Hill, without knowing my story at all, I told you last week about my story being healed of pancreatitis, right? My dad praying for me, and I got healed of pancreatitis almost instantaneously. Got up. Next day, I was perfectly fine, and the next day, I got out of the hospital. All the fever went away, everything stopped. Michael. uh, whispered in my ear what his, what his story was. Well, I mean, I I'm, went I'm ahead on the story. Uh, Larry Hill said, looked over on the platform, there were about 25 of us sitting over there, and he said, Pastor John, holler, come over here. Now, he had never said anything to me about, had never done that before, and never did it again afterwards. The one time he called me over to pray for this guy, was a guy who had, pancre- had pancreatic cancer. I had had problems with my pancreas and been totally healed. Are you following me? Why Larry Hill would pick me for that, I don't know except that God told him to. So, so I got with the little boy, with the, with the young man. I said, son, you don't know this story, but I was healed of pancreatitis myself. He said, really, wow. He said, Dr. Hill didn't know that, did he? I said, he did not know that. But somebody did know that. Jesus knew that. He said, that's encouraging. I said, it's more than encouraging. It means you're going to be healed right here on the spot. That's what this means. He said, you think? I said, no, I know. Jesus Christ is healing you right now. I laid my hands on him and called him healed in Jesus' name. Two weeks later, he came back in. Looked like he'd gained 10 pounds. Came running up the stairs. Said to Dr. Hill, Dr. Hill, Dr. Hill, I got a report. I've been healed jumping up and down with both hands in the air. I've been healed, I've been healed, I've been healed. Doctor says all cancer is gone out of my body. Amen. I still believe in that kind of thing, don't you? So you curse, you curse your problems with the word. You remove the, your problems and remove the curse with the word of faith. Amen. Saying what God says. Listen to this. This is what James one twenty six says. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. (laughs) What did that just say? That self-deception comes from an unbridled tongue. Well, I I just have to say it like it is. No, 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 you don't. You're deceiving yourself. Well, I can't help it. That's the way I feel. No, 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 no. You're deceiving yourself. If you don't bridle your tongue, he says you will deceive your own heart. Is it quiet in here? Or is it just me? You're thinking about it, aren't you? Oh, you know, God, why did I say that? An unbridled tongue deceives you. You think you're saying the facts, but all you're doing is deceiving yourself. Stop saying what comes to your mind. Take every thought captive. Amen. Thank you for the help. <laughs> Self-deception comes from an unbridled tongue. Now we all have doubts. We all have thoughts that aren't captive. But you take thoughts captive how? By what you say. You cannot take thoughts captive with other thoughts. You have to take thoughts captive with words. Amen. Listen to me. If I asked Christina, tell me about your first horse. I know you had lots of horses in your life. Tell me about your first horse. She was wonderful, my best friend. What color was she? Chestnut. You're you're a real girl. A guy would have said (laughs) that she was red. Chestnut. Chestnut. With one stocking. Chestnut with one stocking. Uh And a blaze face. And a blaze face. And she was wonderful and she was your best friend. Mm -hmm. What was her name? Baby Cat. Baby Cat. Are you seeing her? Yes. You're looking at her right now, aren't you? I control her thoughts by making her talk about something I want her to talk about. Now, she can think about anything she wants to when I'm talking. She might be thinking about baby cat after I start preaching on something else. (laughs) I can't stop that, she can't stop that until she opens her mouth and starts, gets engaged with what her mouth is saying because it is impossible It it is possible for you to think about one thing and listen to something else. But it's impossible for you to think about something else while you talk about something else. You have to think about what you're talking about. That's how you take thoughts captive. I just helped you right there. You should be throwing money. I don't know why you're not. You don't want to think about something? Open your mouth. You're plagued with bad thoughts. Don't deceive your own heart and keep talking about what's wrong. The more you talk about what you don't have, the more more of what you don't want you'll have. This is good preaching right here. Milepost 42. Luke chapter 1. And verse... I mean, Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. You found it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, the Lord. Here, folks, is the greatest birth announcement ever given, anywhere, any time in history. This is a big one. I've been invited to baby showers before, before with Miss Ann. I don't like baby showers. <laughs> I love babies. I don't like giving them showers. I love pregnant mamas, but I don't like baby showers. It's just not my thing. Any of you guys with me? It's just not your thing. I don't mind buying the gifts and sending it. You know, I don't mind them spending my money, I don't care. Just don't make me go. Anything but that. Poke me in the eye with something sharp. I don't care, but just don't make me go to a baby shower. (laughs) But if they'd announced this one, I would have been there. This is the greatest baby announcement ever in the history of the world. The Son of God was born in flesh. And John, John wrote it like this. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No wonder the angels started singing. The angels just opened up their hearts and started singing. It says suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts. They showed up out of nowhere. It did not say they were in heaven. We see the pictures of them filling the skies. It did not say that. So this angel walked up to these guys and said and talked to them. And said, "Good news has come to you." He said the heavenly host showed up on earth, and then they went into heaven from there. The place was full of angels. It was a great multitude of flash, and they were there. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's not apparitions. These were real beings who manifested in sight. These shepherds saw them. And here's what they said. Here's what the angel said, and all the others, the multitude, said this. Verse 14 of chapter 2 of Luke Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What's he saying? This is a new day. God is saying peace to mankind. With Jesus coming, he's saying I'm no longer mad at you. I'm making peace with you. This is my peace child. The story of the peace child came from a tribe they found in South America. They were the most evil people any missionary had ever encountered. He tried to tell them the story of Jesus. And when he told them about, when he got to the part about uh, Judas selling him and and betraying him with a kiss, they all applauded. They loved loved Judas because he was so smart that he betrayed his own friend. Treachery and deception and backbiting and betrayal was their highest virtue in this tribe. They often would be, be befriend a guy, in the next tribe, and get him get him all drunk up one day, and have him have him for dinner. They were cannibals, and they would glory in the fact that he was unsuspecting of the whole thing. He was. They, they they these were bad people, but they did have one thing one redeeming quality about them. If they decided they wanted peace with the, the, the next tribe over, they had, to, had a ritual they went through. The king had to bring his son. Bring his son up there and offer his son. They call his son the peace child. Are you getting me? They offer the peace child. This child wasn't killed, he became part of that next tribe's family. And then that tribe, if they wanted to, wanted to make an exchange, they would give their son for them. And this is how they be- mingled their blood without shedding their blood. They be- would become one people then with what they called a peace child. And the uh, missionary saw this and then he, he revised, the gospel, <laughs> revised the gospel to call Jesus peace child. He was a peace child. He was the prince, and the only time I see him called prince, he's called the prince of peace. Amen. God was making peace with mankind that day, starting the process of bringing us back. No wonder this multitude of angels showed up. They couldn't help themselves. I think they were watching from behind the curtain he said, is it time? We've been practicing this song for a long time. Is it time? Can you imagine if they were in heaven, on a stage in heaven, yes. and this curtain draws back. They've been practicing for eternity to sing this song about Jesus. Yes. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Curtain draws back. One, two, three. Wait, hold it. (laughs) Shepherds? They're supposed to be, we're supposed to be singing the big crowd. You got us a field of shepherds? This is our audience? Really? The lowest of the society? Where are the kings in this story? Where are the businessmen? Where's the upper class? Shepherds? (laughs) We practice all this for shepherds alright fill the sky this is how the announcement came not with fanfare not with opulence but the simple simplicity of the common man because Jesus is not just the king of the wealthy he's the king of the down and out too not just the king of the good guy He's a king of the despicable. Hillary, all of us despicables. (laughs) Despicables have deplorables. Well, it's the same thing. That's deplorables have a king, glory to God. We don't really need a president. I'm going to finish with this. In my pastime, all right, John ten ten. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Are you, have you enjoyed this route sixty yes. yes. six? John ten ten my post forty three. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I noticed something about this. Now this is going to be worth coming to church for this one piece right here. I'm going to teach you something about this verse of scripture. What the Greek actually says about it. The Greek does not have that little bitty word at the end of this verse in it. The Greek does not have the word it in it. Hey, look at there. Now let's read it without the it. The thief, let's read it together. The thief cometh not, read it up together out loud. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have more abundantly. Oh. Take, a, take the it out and it makes more sense. Because if you have, a, if you have the, the life of God, I've uh, come that they might have life. That word for life there is Zoe, it means the God. Kind of life. It's often interpreted eternal life. You can't have that in abundance. You either have it or you don't. It's like being abundantly pregnant or just pregnant. It's the same thing. Unless you're carrying twins. Are you abundantly pregnant or are you just pregnant? I feel abundantly pregnant, but you are just pregnant. Just pregnant. Either you have life or you don't have life. And Jesus did not come to give you abundant life. He came to give you life. But he did, he did come to reverse those other, th- other things. Listen to this. The thief comes not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He talks about three specific things that the thief comes to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's three separate things. The thief comes to take your stuff from you. Steal. He may come to kill you. That's something else. The destroying is not about you destroying your life. You already said kill you. The destroying is to tear up or destroy what you have. To destroy what you have. I see it. If he can't take it from you, he wants to wreck what you have. Vandalize you. A vandal gets a certain kick out of just tearing something up. The devil gets a certain kick out of just tearing up your stuff. If he can't take it from you, he wants to destroy it. Three specific things where we have loss. In our lives, in our stuff, and in the destruction of our stuff. This answers it all if you let it answer it like the Greek says it. Jesus came to restore our life. That answers the killing and that we may have more abundantly answers the thief stealing, stealing and destroying our stuff. God wants you to have more abundantly. God is not the one taking your money from you. God is trying to get money to you. God is not the one tearing up your car. God is trying to get, get a better car to you. God's not the one, the one taking your, destroying your house with a hailstorm. He's the one trying to get your house fixed. God is on your side because you have a covenant with God. He wants to bless you with every good thing. According to this, John 10.10 10 says, I am come, the thief comes for this reason, but I am come that they might have life and that they may have more abundantly. The love of God is shed have brought in our hearts for this purpose, that we might know how to live for Him in faith. You can walk by faith, or you can walk by unbelief. Really, the choice is yours. But I say, if you know God loves you, that lets you walk by faith. I took my grandson, to, I have two of my grandsons here, the little one I talk to you about all the time, Max, he's here today. That means I'm here with less money than I had yesterday. Because we had to go to Walmart. He said, Papa, I want to go to Walmart. I said, why? He said, get a toy. He said, get a toy. We got there and they had so many toys, he could not narrow it down to one. He had two of them. I said, no, Max, we're only going to get one. He said, please, Papa, two. I said, no, just one. Put, put one on back. He said, please, Papa, I want these two. I said, no, put one of them back. He said, please, Papa, two. I said, no, you're not going to make me change. One. So when we went up there, we checked out both of his toys. <laughs> because he knows and I know that I love him. I can't say no, especially when I can afford it. Think about about your God, think about your Father, who loves you more than I could possibly ever love that little boy. God loves you, that means you can operate in faith. Faith works by knowing you are loved by God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for this word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for these mileposts you've given us These 66 wonderful stops. Thank you that though the thief came to destroy, and people in this room today may be feeling like they've been destroyed, I pray for them to receive new life.